Well, as you probably know, a compass is a tool that you use to find your way. It's designed to point true north. And then once you locate that direction, then you can orient yourself with some confidence uh, and figure out what the direction is that you won't need to go in. Okay? Uh, Mark, would you come up here for a second and help me out? It's one of the advantages of being on staff. You get to be volunteered. <laughs> um, okay, so Mark, do you, uh, where do you think north is? So point north. There-ish. Okay, keep your hand up. What? The compass is off. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm pretty much right. All right. So now adjust your arm as to where north really is. There you go. Okay, so that's true north. Yeah, I know it doesn't make sense because you think 95 is pretty much... But it's not. I mean, that's where True North is. Okay, so sometimes he got pretty close. Sort of knew the general, general direction for North. But that's in a perfect world. The problem is we don't live in a perfect world, do we? No, we've got all of these factors, such as our upbringing and our biases and our prejudices and our education and the friends we hang up, out with, and all of those things can cause us not to see clearly. So, Mark, would you um, put this blindfold on for me, please? <laughs> That's right. We don't mess around. All right, but then it's not only that. There are all these activities going in our on in our lives, like school and work and relationships and, gosh, what else? Social media and all these various things. <laughs> and that all can sort of confuse us and we don't really know where we're facing. So, Mark, where do you think North is now? All right, take your blindfold off. <laughs> I was about as off as I was when I thought. <laughs> All right, you, you're excused. See, a ship at sea can start out going in the right direction, but inevitably it gets tossed about by the waves and the wind. And so the captain has to regularly check a compass to make sure that they're going to end up <clears throat> where they began heading uh, in the first place. <clears throat> and it really works the same way with us. See, even though we have really good intentions, we can all sort of lose our bearings. And, we sort of, and so that's why we need to continually and regularly be reminded about what God says. What he says about him, what he says about us, so that we can then live the life that he desires for us to live. So today, I'm going to begin a, a series on spiritual habits. Now, you know, you know, classically, those might be called disciplines, but that seems like sort of a harsh word to some people, so we'll just call them habits, spiritual habits. And the first one that we're going to focus on is Scripture, or actually reading the Bible. 
And so the verses we're going to look at today come from Paul's second letter to Timothy, uh, chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. And that says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That, man, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Now from this little illustration we had just a minute ago, I probably understand that uh, reading the Bible is a good habit to develop. But I think it's more than just a good habit. I think it's also a very important habit. So why is it important that you read the Bible regularly? What does this text kind of tell us about why that's important? And I'd say there's at least three reasons that I could find in this. First one is it's important that you read the Bible regularly because it maintains and it strengthens your faith journey. Now, in our day and age, we have newspaper articles, magazines, self-help books, talk shows, and they all give us the impression that if we're just honest about a problem, if we get lots of advice, and we do what we really feel is right, then we'll solve a problem. So modern opinion, which isn't really thinking, says that an individual, not God, is in control of his or her own future. And that's the heart of false teaching. And we can't allow our own society to distort or to crowd out God's eternal truth. Now this could have been, in a sense, what was going on with Timothy. See, he was being besieged by false teachers. And he had, inevitably, the pressures of this growing ministry that he was involved with. And so he might have been tempted at times to maybe not abandon his faith, but at least maybe modify his doctrine a little bit just so that you know, he could attract more people. That's a trap many a pastor has fallen into. And so what Paul does is he's counseling Timothy to look back, to look at his past, and to hold on to the very basic teachings about Jesus that he knew were eternally true. See, the false teachers might constantly want to move on to new and more exciting concepts and ideas. And, you know, want to discuss that, want to argue about that. And we see that today, right? It's always something new, some new idea, some new way to improve yourself, some new diet, some new pill that you can take, uh, whatever the case may be. But what Paul's saying is that Timothy needed to stand secure on what he had learned, and on what he firmly believed. Now, this doesn't mean that Timothy didn't need to study any further, but that the basics that Timothy knew and believed would never change. However, Timothy should continue in his faith through perseverance and by constantly learning more about God's Word. The Holy Spirit, who caused God's Word to be written, and who spoke through the different writers of Scripture in so many different ways, is as powerful today as he ever was. 
and expressed through the written word, that's what can transform our lives. The Spirit speaking through scriptures can make us wise, can help us see things in a new pattern, or maybe something that we hadn't actually seen before. Through our reading and our pondering on God's word, it works a knowledge of God deep into our consciousness. And even our subconsciousness. By story, by poetry, by symbol, by history, by theology, by exhortation. Scripture contains all of those things. Scripture not only gives us true information about how our lives can be transformed, it will itself be part of the process. The Spirit speaking through Scripture can help us understand ourselves, other people, God, and the world. As people of faith, we're not supposed to be children anymore, tossed to and fro, and carried along with every wind of doctrinal shift that might occur. Or by the words of men whose only purpose it is to deceive us. Just as Paul told Timothy that he must continue in the things which he had learned and had been assured of, so we must also do the same if we are to maintain and strengthen our faith journey. So that's the first reason that we should read the Bible regularly. Reason number two, that it's important that you read the Bible regularly, is because it contains life lessons that are of great value. Now, it's true that in verse 16, where it says all Scripture, remember it says all Scripture is God-breathed. Now, that's primarily a reference to the Old Testament, all right? Since some of the New Testament books had not even been written at this point. But... In 2 Peter 3.16, Peter includes Paul's writings, and he uses the term scriptures. And that shows us that the early church already viewed the apostolic letters, such as the ones that Paul wrote, to be as authoritative as the Old Testament. Okay, so really it's inclusive of all of, all of what we have, or what we call today, as scripture. And I found this kind of interesting, this phrase, breathed out by God or God-breathed. It's a Greek word, theopneustos, okay, long, funny-sounding Greek word. But the interesting part about this word is it cannot be found anywhere in the Bible or in any other Greek book written before the Bible. So in other words, Paul made up this word. <laughs> we should say he coined a phrase, maybe, instead of made up. Um, but what he, what he did was he took the words God and breathed and just kind of put them together and made up this word, God breathed or breathed out by God, which I think is a wonderful way of sort of describing the process that the writers of Scripture actually went through. Men wrote the Bible, right? God didn't take a pen and write it all out. Men wrote it, but the words and the substance of what they wrote were inspired by God. And that's what makes the Bible so useful. You know, Paul listed these main uses of Scripture, and they all sort of intertwine with one another. So first, he says it's valuable for teaching. Well, teaching involves instruction. And so since Timothy was feeling the attacks of these false teachers, um, Paul encouraged him 
to continue in teaching correct doctrine and correct living. We got to know the scriptures so that people will not only grasp their need for salvation, but also so believers will adhere to its instructions on the best way to live. Next we have uh, reproof. Some translations may say rebuke or rebuking rather than reproof. And then it mentions correction. So reproof and correction. This is kind of the disciplinary authority that Scripture has. Because the Bible is God's word, and because it reveals truth to us, it then exercises an authority over those who deviate from its standard. Right? So, so, okay, well, that's what Scripture says, but I'm going this way. And what this means is, as we read Scripture, it will from time to time inform us, sometimes in no uncertain terms, that something we're doing is out of line with God's will. Sometimes it may lie plainly in the surface of the text. Other times we may read a passage and we'll begin to hear the voice of God gently or perhaps not so gently, telling us that this particular story applies to some area of our lives. Makes me think of, um, it was Samuel that went to David to point out what had gone on in his little affair with Bathsheba. Tells him the story. David gets all irate about this man who's stolen the sheep or whatever the story says. And Samuel goes, you're, you're, that, you're that guy. And all of a sudden it dawns on him what had happened. And when that, thing, when that happens to us, when we're reading Scripture and when we have a revelation like that, and it often does if you actually will read the Bible and then read it with some kind of a prayerful attitude, we would do very well to pay attention. Following reproof and correction is training. Training in righteousness is really the counterpoint to correction. The scriptures give us positive guidance for maturing in faith, for conduct that's acceptable. And the idea here is that of helping people who belong to God to become completely, richly human beings, reflecting God's image in all of its many-sided splendor. And finally, it's important that you read the Bible regularly because it's how you become equipped to live out your faith. You know, as we read and study the Bible, we rely upon God's Spirit, upon His revelation, and upon the community of the faithful to keep us on track, to keep us obedient and maturing in our faith. And continuing in this commitment will enable us to do whatever it is that God calls us to do. You see, Timothy could withstand the attacks of these false teachers, uh, maybe even the abandonment of some professed believers. That, that happens to every pastor. People that you, know, you think are really a part of your church just one day leave, and you're like, what happened? So it probably happened to Timothy. And then there was probably some degree of persecution that was coming upon him as well. And see, he could, he could withstand all of those things because God had equipped him for the task that he was given.
And as we talked about last week when we really discussed this whole vision statement, every Christian is endowed with gifts for the building of the church. That's what we talked about, right? And the scriptures have a crucial role in enabling the disciples to use their gifts effectively. And so no matter what task you may be given as a Christian, scripture is the instruction manual. Now, I want to shift a little bit now from talking about the why to um, a little bit more of the how. How do we do that? And I know this probably seems obvious to a lot of people, but I really find in talking to folks that a lot of people don't read their Bibles regularly because they're really not sure how to best go about it. It's like it's a big book. Uh, you know, do I start at the beginning? Do I start you know, here, there, wherever? Well, what I wanted to do was just to take a moment and give you a couple of suggestions, and I will send out some links with the email tomorrow that contains some sites where you can get a whole multitude of reading plans. I'm just going to go over a couple because there's tons of them out there. Um, but just to, sh just to show you a couple of examples, this one here is pretty much the easiest and most straightforward, and that's just to read every book in order. And I mean, this is, just happens to be a little checklist if you like doing that, where you can keep it and just tick off as you read a chapter. You say, okay, well, I've read one onto two, and so forth. Uh, and you can find forms like this online, you know, to help you if you'd like. Um, another one that I think can be interesting is a chronological plan. Reading the Bible in the order in which it was written. Now, that comes with a caveat. This is some scholar's idea of the order in which the Bible was written. We don't know exactly, you know, in some cases, which which book comes before another. Um, but chances are, because it's studied and it's been researched by so many, it'll be pretty close. I mean, there's always been this argument as to whether Genesis or Job came first. A lot of people believe Job was the very first book actually written. And then Genesis was written by Moses afterwards. This shows it flipping those two. It goes at least some portion of Genesis and then brings Job in. So... Um, Anyway, that's just, that could be, if you're used to reading it just from cover to cover, this would be an interesting way to go about it because it would start, you would start to hit different places in a different order. Um, there are plans which will mix up old and new, such as this one. You know, you read something from the Old Testament, a psalm, perhaps a proverb, and then something from the New Testament as well. And I mean, these plans can vary. You can find them where you can Read through the Bible five days a week. So you get Saturdays and Sundays either off or as a chance to catch up. If you missed a day during the week, you can do seven days a week. You can do the Old Testament, the New Testament. Like I said, lots and lots of plans. Well, if keeping or following a log is just way too complicated for you, well, then you can do what I do and have it emailed to you every day. This, is, this comes from the Moravian Church, um, of which Dietrich Bonhoeffer was uh, a member. And uh, they just send you, and you can see, it's probably hard to see, but it's very similar to the one I just showed you. You read a psalm, you read an Old Testament passage and a New Testament passage every day. Um, 
The nice thing about this is it goes through the entire Bible in two years, but you read the Psalms four times during that two-year period. So you're always reading a Psalm every day. And then you, so you, there's 150, so that's about half the year. And then you start over and read the other. Um, then sort of the final argument that you'll hear is, well, I just don't like to read. All right, well, that's legitimate. However, the good news is that there's a lot of apps out there that will read the Bible to you, uh, including this one. And this one is actually so new, it's not even available yet. Um, it's called Dwell. It's going to be available in June, I think, approximately of this year. Um, I've looked into it, and it really looks pretty cool. Um, it has a bunch of different reading plans that are already embedded in it. And, it. and you can choose the person to read it to you. It has different voices. And I've actually included a little snippet of each one so you can sort of hear the variety. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And above all these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So there you have, and who knows, maybe they'll add some others before they release it. Um, if, you're, if you're interested, you can go out and look, and again, I'll send a link to it. But right now, they have posted, um, they're, they're raising funds on Kickstarter, which is a website for entrepreneurs. And... Um, in their goal was to raise $50,000 in a month. In something like 27 hours, they had raised $55,000. <laughs> and um, the nice thing is, if you really, if you look at this and you're interested, if you sign up now to just go ahead and say, I'll support you, you actually, they've got some things that they'll give you, including a year or longer membership to this um, um, and some other goodies, depending on the level that you choose to give at. So would recommend that you take a look at that. And so uh, finally, really, as I kind of conclude this this morning, I thought it might be helpful to hear from someone in our church family uh, on what reading the Bible has done for them on a regular basis. And so I would like Lindsay uh, to come forward and share. I need to get her a microphone. Testing. <laughs> um, the biggest thing when I was 
thinking about why reading the Bible regularly has helped me. And I will admit, I don't always do it every day. I try, but <laughs> I'm human. But I really do uh, find that when I do do it regularly, big things happen. But the, one of the biggest things is I don't want to miss anything because he's always speaking. And the word is living. It's really alive. And so even though, you know, I might not get something every day, um, the biggest thing is if I, uh, the biggest thing I've noticed, if I have a big life decision to make and I really, really want to hear his voice on what to do, that's when it's really moved powerfully. So, like, um, there was a time when I was deciding whether uh, to move from New Mexico to here and I had two opportunities uh, in business there and here. I didn't know what to do. I didn't want to make a wrong, you know, decision. Um, I wanted what was best, what God wanted for me. And and uh, I kept seeing pop up because if you're not in the word regularly, things can't really pop at you. And um, what really popped at me when I was praying about it for a week, I said, Lord, just tell me whether to go or stay. And uh, that very week, he showed me, I was reading, uh, I was listening to a sermon, and I heard them preaching on Abraham being called to leave his home country. Hmm, okay, I want some confirmation. So um, that week, the scripture reading at my church was in Hebrew, lech lecha, which is go forth, and that's the beginning of Jennifer, Gen Jennifer, Genesis <laughs> 12.1. And so it was like he said to me directly, go forth. And if I hadn't have been in the Word regularly, I wouldn't have seen that, and, and it was confirmed. And then when I moved here, things were so, you know, in turmoil in so many ways that if I hadn't had that Word to stand on, I would have thought I made the wrong choice or that I was, you know, oh boy, why am I here? But I had that to stand on. So, so big life decisions. Um, and sev I have several examples, but you can ask me later for the for some other pretty cool ones. Um, there's even a really funny one I have to say on um, when I had graduated uh, grad school and I was a waitress at the time, trying to be that between that and growing my practice. And I was really lost, and I was reading the scripture that night, and I happened to stumble upon Acts six, and the second verse was. And the disciples were talking amongst themselves and saying, "We should stop waiting tables to neglect the word. We're neglecting the, you know, the word of God to wait tables or the doings of God." And oh my gosh, there's a scripture on waiting tables. So it's, <laughs> you know, and I was asking about it. So being in the word, <laughs> you know, allows that to just pop up. And you know, sometimes there's dry, dry spells. But I mean, oh, the stories I could tell. So. Um, but that's the biggest thing is trying, I don't want to miss anything he has for me. And sometimes I'm not even actively searching for something, but I'll see something repeat, you know, a, a theme that I'm reading, you know, that week, and then it's spoken about in church, or then I see it on a billboard, and then I see it on Facebook. Okay, Lord, what are you trying to tell me? <laughs> and so I wouldn't have been receiving those those lessons if I hadn't been in regularly um so and the the uh, the ultimate reason is really the word the scripture is the only thing you can really trust um 100 percent you know like Jeff was saying you know you know you can never fully rely on you know a person's opinion e even you know even a a well-known pastor um we're all human beings so the the scripture is perfect and it doesn't contradict itself, and well, if it if it seems to, it's it's usually something we're missing, or 
Um, but when you have the word to stand on, you just know, uh, yeah, God spoke to me and he showed me that. And the more you get into it, the, the more those cool things happen, like the waiting table scriptures and things you, oh my gosh, you're really speaking to me. And it, and it really pops. And um, so that's that's uh, that's a, just a snippet of what it's done in my life. And so thank you for letting me share. Thank you. You can clap for Lindsay. I would uh, just concur with everything she said, and especially the part about stuff that just seems to start showing up multiple places. I mean, I've had that happen. I've known many others, you know, that that have that same experience of where all of a sudden, you know, they'll read something in scripture, and then it'll be the topic at church, and then they'll hear it on the radio, and there's a song that mentions it, and so, you know, unless you're in there regularly, you you miss that. You would miss that. Stop now. There's only one more. (laughs) All right, there we go. The story is told of an old man who lived in the mountains of eastern Kentucky with his young grandson. Each morning, Grandpa was up early, sitting at the kitchen table, reading from his old, worn-out Bible. His grandson, who wanted to be just like him, tried to imitate him in any way he could. One day the, grand, the, the grandson asked, Papa, I try to read the Bible just like you, but I don't understand it. And what I do understand, I forget as soon as I close the book. What good does reading the Bible do? The grandfather quietly turned from putting coal in the stove and said, take this coal basket down to the river and bring back a basket of water. The boy did as he was told, even though All the water leaked out before he could get back to the house. The grandfather laughed and he says, well, you're going to have to move a little faster next time. And he sent him back to the river with the basket to try again. This time the boy ran faster, but again the basket was empty before he reached home. Out of breath, he told his grandfather that it was impossible to carry water in a basket. And so he went to get a bucket instead. The old man said, I don't want a bucket of water. I want a basket of water. You can do this. You're just not trying hard enough. And he went out the door to watch the boy try again. At this point, the boy knew that it was impossible. But he wanted to show his grandfather that even if he ran as fast as he could, the water would leak out before he got very far at all. The boy scooped the water and he ran hard. But when he reached his grandfather, the basket again was empty. Out of breath, he said, see, Papa, it's useless. So you think it's useless, the old man said. Look at the basket. The boy looked at the basket, and for the first time he realized that the basket looked different. Instead of a dirty old coal basket, it was clean. Son, that's what happens when you read the Bible. You might not understand or remember everything, but when you read it, it will change you from the inside out. That's the work of God in our lives, to change us from the inside out 
and to slowly transform us into his image. Amen. Get the lights, please. I really hope that you are taking seriously the challenge that I put before you, and not the one to remember the vision, but the one to actually live it out. That's the one I'm the most interested in. And uh, before we end today, I just wanted to share an experience I had this week. Um, primarily because I want you to know that your pastor actually practices what he preaches. So, <clears throat> some of you know that on um, January 1st of this year, I broke a tooth. Um, eating a roast beef sandwich, of all things. Um, so, <clears throat> I've had to go in. I actually have, still, I'm not done yet. I'm, I'm about halfway through this thing. But, you know, I went in on this past Wednesday to have the um, temporary crown put on. So I go to the dentist in Ashland, a dentist in Ashland. It's a little bigger than just one dentist, I guess. And uh, so the dental assistant puts the numbing gel on the little cotton swab or whatever, and she sticks it in my mouth to numb it before they give me the shots. And so I'm sitting there, you know, laying you know, there in the chair and without anything really to do. Fortunately, she's not asking me questions, which is, seems typical for an awful lot of the time. But this, they wait until it's kind of like waitressing, I guess, that when you actually have food in your mouth is when you come up and say, so how is everything? <laughs> but there was nothing being said. And so I just thought, all right, I'm going to just, I'm going to see if God has anything that he wants to share with her. So I just kind of said that little prayer to myself, Lord, do you have anything you'd like me to share with her? And then I, I thought I, I got something. So when she removed the thing from my mouth and I could talk again, and she had, I'd seen her the week before and she had told me that she had a son and I didn't know if she had any other children. But I, I said, so you, I said, you told me last week you had a son. Do you have any other children? And she says, well, yeah, I have four and they're all adults. And I said, oh, okay. I said, well, I asked the Lord if he had anything he wanted to say to you, and he told me that um, you're particularly worried and concerned about one of them. And he said that you shouldn't worry, that everything is going to be okay, and that he's got it covered. And she didn't say anything for a second, but she bit her lip, and I knew right away that uh, this was, that I had hit something, because she was sort of fighting back emotion. And then later she went on to tell me that um, the child that God was clearly talking to her about, the 26-year-old daughter living in Maryland, going through a divorce, two children, who has a calling, this woman believes, has always had a calling on her life, who is not on good terms with her mother right now, and who amazingly has had two, two bouts with cancer and get this, has conceived a child while in the midst of chemotherapy twice. Which I'm not even, you know, kind of even wonder if that's, 
I, I mean, obviously it's possible, but it just doesn't sound like a good idea, but the kids are fine, two little boys. And so, you know, the only way we do this, the only way you're going to impact people like that. Now, it turns out she already was a Christian, very strong believer, and she lives like an hour from here. Okay, so that was sort of the beyond part of Ashland, right? <laughs> Ashland and beyond. But that's not the point. The point is I impacted, I was able through God to impact her life for the kingdom and to give her some assurance about a child that she was very much clearly worried about. That's what impacting the people for the kingdom looks like. It's no harder than that. You might ask somebody, you know, for a word and maybe you don't get anything and that's okay. But maybe you will. And I just want to encourage you, act on it. Go with that. If you feel that prompting, whether it's to, to tell somebody something, whether it's just like you feel like you're supposed to pray for them, whatever the case may be, we have to get better at acting on those little nudges that we get. Otherwise, we're going to miss those opportunities. And I mean, I will be honest, I debated for a second. It's like, oh, geez, that sounds like something you could tell any parent. I mean, I knew she had a son, but, you know, the fact that they were maybe worried about it, I mean, you could probably go almost any parent and find that to be the case to some degree or another. So almost right away, I'm starting to talk myself out of this. So look, I understand that part of it is real, but what I'm telling you is you've got to push through that. And if you're wrong, you're wrong. What was she going to do? You know, she already was going to stick me with a needle. So <laughs> what did I have to lose? <laughs> so, you know, once again, I just wanted to tell you that, not to brag on myself, but simply to encourage you that this is possible, that you can do this. I'm not in any way special, other than being a little taller than some of you. That's about it. Um, so you can do these things if you'll just take the time to listen and then be bold enough to strike out and uh, see what happens. And I want to hear, hear your stories. I want to be the one up here telling the stories. I want to hear the stories that you have when you come back in here and go, Jeff, you're not going to believe this. Well, try me. Better will.